0: my Bible app and I started reading the passage and I'm like okay well that kind of goes with the report card idea okay and I'm reading it and I'm like maybe I should read this a little bit further because I, I think okay I think this might be the the topic that God's kind of guiding me towards and then I have a set of commentaries that sits off in the corner and it's not with my normal group of books that I would go to for you know preparing sermons and stuff I've got a bunch of different books I'm old school I like the books and flipping pages and stuff and I was like "Ah, I'll go over to my Tyndale commentary so it's in the corner of the house and 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 I open up the cabinet because it's in a closed cabinet and I and I'm going through and I go through and okay and I get the the Tyndale commentary out for the passage that I'm looking for and you got glasses on? I can put them on. Well, here, now, there's, in this, there's a mark in there. Do you see the paper clip? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, before you say that, the passage I'm going to preach on today is 1 John 3, 16 to 20. Now, go to that paper clip. I haven't opened this book since I was in seminary. What passage is that paper clip in at? yeah so it's first john 3 16 17 18 right through to 20 okay. and i'm like okay i can't think i kind of dialed in now i'm listening and you got my attention god but that's what the, when i say i, I wait for that we look for that inspiration, that, that guidance. And you can't make stuff like that up. Like that paper clip, I, I honestly... i even got marks in it, like notes and stuff. And I don't ever remember. that was. I have honestly haven't opened that since seminary. So that would have been oh, 30 years ago, right? And that's... So I don't know who needs this message today. But here we go. So the idea behind... Uh, this I guess I've got four points is what physical evidence uh, of Christ is in your life okay so what 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 kind of outpouring what physical evidence do you have when you go somewhere that people can see Christ through you the other point to be made here today is love the people not the stuff when people see that you love the people, they will see God in us. Because who love people more than God himself? And God is greater than your own feelings. Okay, so these are the four points that we're going to touch on today. But let's, let's look at that from the perspective of the report card idea, right? And what you're, what you're like where where is your evidence of Christ in your life? And we touched on this last week in our small group when I said when my boys go into a room and this is the exact exact example, when they come into a room and you see my boys they don't need to be really introduced that they're my boys because inevitably they have many of my bad attributes, but at the same token, they're my boys. You can see them and see the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they act, the things they do, their reactions to things. They're as individual as each one can be because you couldn't get three more different lads than that, but they're an extension of me. They're just like me. And so likewise, when you go into a place, when you walk into a a group or a, a a house or somebody's place. What part of you oozes out Christ? Do you need to walk in and go, I'm a Christian. Hello, everybody. I'm 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 God's child. Or do you need to make that announcement to let everybody know, or can they just see it coming out of you, like it just pours out of you? You you they, you walk, you talk, you do things differently because you know who the, your father is right so in the passage it starts off by saying that we get we get this this presence that we we get this calling we know what real love is right we know what it is because Christ showed us what real love is that's what verse 16 is all about is it's the example that God sent Christ, God died for us. And there's no greater sacrifice than to lay down your life for someone else. I don't know if anyone in here has ever had the experience of the desire to, because obviously you haven't laid down your life for somebody else or you wouldn't be here, but you, some of you, I know I have experienced it where I would have given anything Anything to be in the position that the person that was in pain was in. I would have given my life so that they wouldn't have to go through this. And inevitably, a a lot of times, you can't do that. It happens. People suffer. People die. Things come and go. But it doesn't change that in your heart you wanted to, you so badly wanted to. And I don't know how many people in here have ever experienced that. And I'm here to tell you it sucks. It really does because it's beyond you. You can't do anything about it. But very rarely do any of us ever get an opportunity to express our love for our fellow person by laying our life down for them and in light of the things that happened yesterday with remembrance day and those that laid down their lives for our freedoms there's no greater love than that so we we know what love is because we are children of God we don't need to reflect on the greatness of God because we all know that we're here We're here praising God because of his greatness. And he died for us and he loves us. And we know that. That's our example. So then in in many ways, with that example, we just, we need to let that ooze out of us. But the thing is, the problem you have a lot of times is you generalize it. Because it's easy to say, I love, you know, some of my favorite people in the entire, well, most of my favorite people in the entire world are in this room, right? And I just, I mean, I have fun with alias. We hang out together, we goof around, we, we just, I mean, you gravitate to people you like. It's just the way it is, right? And, but if you can, then in the next verse, in verse 17, John dials it in. He's like, God died. You know, many of us, we should lay our lives down for our brothers and our sisters. But then in verse 17, he changes that and he makes it the singular. Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, I, I love everybody. Yeah, but do you love me? When you dial in on one person specifically, it changes it. It makes it more personal. It makes it so that you're paying more attention to that person and you're not blanketing it. Like I, I know I'm guilty of it where somebody's been talking to me and they can talk to me. and I'm not talking about you, Michelle, but they've been talking to me for like five or ten minutes and I haven't heard a word they said. And I actually have to stop and turn and say, you know, i I, and if I'm being honest, I have to turn and tell them, I'm sorry, I didn't hear a word you said in the last 10 minutes. I was off somewhere else. Because I'm not focused in on the person. I'm not paying attention to the person. And you could say all you want, but you know when somebody's really just giving you lip service or when they're actually dialed in and they actually care. So that's where John's going with this. Because not many of us get a call to put down our lives for our fellow humans. But we have a lot more opportunities to share things, right? And when, when we talk about sharing things, we immediately think of our stuff, right? And I know I did. When I started thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, well, some people you just wouldn't give money to, right? And I'm not going to lend them my truck, Right? <laughs> So it's just, it's your stuff and you get, so that you're, you know, you get some discernment because you've learned, like I I know with my my kids, if I give it to them, I don't ever expect to see it again. It's going to get broke or it's going to go away or be in the bush somewhere. So the reality is there's people like that out there that won't respect your stuff, right? But does that mean you stop helping people? And it's not a, and more I thought and pondered on the stuff aspect of, you know, because it says if you see a, someone in need, then we're called to help them. If we have an abundance, we're called to help them. And in the scriptures, it actually says in this passage, it's that if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister, singular, in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, and I and immediately dialed into the stuff. And I got really thinking about it. And there's a, a, a Old Testament, well, an Old Testament, an old scholar that back in the day, his name's Charles Harold Dodd. I don't know if anyone knows that name at all. He, anyways, he was very controversial of the day. And he was a really, really, really brilliant guy. And he wrote down, Love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for your own life to enrich the life of another. So I'm going to say that again. Love is the willingness to surrender that which has value for your own life to enrich the life of another. And in the book when he was writing, in in this thought process, where he was going with this and, and where I would lean is... What is the most valuable thing you have? Okay, you've all thought of something specific. And I'm going to throw out something that's going to change your thought process or maybe you were right on with what I'm thinking. Time. What is the most valuable thing you have? Time. It's not money. It's not your house. It's not your stuff. It's time. Because if you want another house, you sell your house, you go buy another house. If you want more money, you go get another job. Or you do more, you work harder, you get more money. You can get more money. There's not one of us that can go out and get more time. Think about that. Your most valuable thing you have is your time. And if you have plenty. Now read that verse with that in mind. If someone has enough to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and shows no compassion, think about it. If you show no compassion and a 90% of the time now, even nowadays, people just want some time. They just want to talk. Right? And in an age where everything is on computers and you don't even have to go into a bank anymore, you can do it all online, right? Like, in, you can order stuff on, the, on your phone and the next day it's at your house. I didn't have to even talk to anybody. So the thing is, is that we're so disconnected in a world that's so connected that we're not into the people anymore of giving our time to help people. And it, I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's what separates us from people that don't know God because they don't care. But your time is, is the most precious thing you have that you can give. And if you've got it, give it and it'll come back tenfold. So, It's very easy to generalize your statements and stuff like that, but when we dial into a specific person, it sometimes really gets hard to do because, I mean, there are some people that you just wouldn't normally t- stand and talk to. Not you, Bob, you talk to everybody, right? But there are. I mean, I know it. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine just last week and I said to him, you know what, man, you're my kind of crazy. Right? Like, because I just, I know that I'm rowdy and I, I get wound up, and well, you guys have spent time with me, you know. And it just happens, right? Like, and some people aren't like that. And they don't like being around that. So you do, you gravitate to people that you, you have kinship with almost, right? But having said that, it's really easy to love the people you like. And I've said this to an old fella. I go and help a lot in the summertime, and I know he annoys Michelle a lot because he's always phoning me, but I go and help him, and he's like, you know, he's like, you're just such a good guy. You know, you're, you're really, you're a good man. And I said to him, you know what, Ronnie, I said, it is so easy being nice to people you like. I said, you know, a true measure of a man is somebody, when you're nice to somebody you don't like. Right? That, 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 that takes character. Because I could speak wholeheartedly. I remember when I was working at a company and inevitably the boss and I didn't get along. And uh, yeah, I got to the point where he and I were like really butting heads, like hard. And I would say things to him and he would say things to me. And then I can remember that something happened. And and anyways, I I hated him. I did. And I was like, I know that that's not the way I should be. But I did. I just, every ounce of me. I didn't like him at all. He was a nasty man. And we, and I mean, I could use other words and I won't. But at the end of the day, I was like, I know that I'm supposed to forgive him. Because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians, right? We're supposed to forgive those that persecute us and stuff like that. And I I know that. And I was like, and I really, and and I'm not even joking. I broke out books and I was reading. I was looking for the loophole. I was. And I was like, I found the loophole. Because for forgiveness to happen, there has to be something first. There has to be repentance. Found my loophole he hasn't come to ask for forgiveness I don't have to forgive him we're good and then I then I actually realized what that meant my example is because see the example as I wanted to find it was I didn't have to forgive him because he hasn't asked me for forgiveness but that isn't how it works and I didn't realize it until a little bit later that Christ has already forgiven us forgiveness is there for us we just have to ask for it we can't get it until we ask for it so I actually had to completely change my own heart towards this man that I loathed and I had changed my own heart and I had to forgive him in my heart so that when he asked for forgiveness it was already there. See, that's our example. That's the example that Christ gives us. That's the example of love that Christ gives us. We know what true love is because Christ is our example. So through this, we're we're giving these, we're dialing it in on specific people. And when we stop for a minute and actually think about that level of forgiveness of somebody you don't like. Like I said, it's easy to gravitate to the people you like. It truly is. But when you gravitate to somebody that you don't like, or not even that you necessarily don't like, but you wouldn't normally talk to, right? I've just, I, I know I've done it. I, I challenge a lot of people to, when you see somebody standing around with nobody to, that's talking to them, go over and say hi. Have a chat with them, right? Like we are quite often we'll finish up and, and even in a service like this and we'll, we'll turn to the people that we like to talk to and we'll hug and we'll shake hands and, and I guarantee you there are some of those, some of you people in here that will stand up and you, there won't be anybody to talk to, right? If it's a new person or even if it's somebody that's going through something, you don't know what they're going through but it's not it's not usually the person i talk to though right and sometimes even in this room we would need to extend ourselves out to those that we don't normally talk to because you know what we're all here because we're broken in some way right we're all got things that we're going through everybody because man stuff happens it just does and the more we can reach out to each other and be personal and give our time to each other, that is our example. That's how people will know when you walk into a room and you dial in on somebody and you're talking to them and it's not somebody you normally would talk to or you go out of your way to make time for somebody that you wouldn't normally make time for. And I know that, at, at, <laughs> I think you young folks in here, you, you haven't gotten to that spot because you've got all this time. But as you get older, that time seems to become more precious. Right? Because you know, I know my mortality becomes more in check each year. Like I said to Michelle earlier, I said, uh, you know, like last week I was going through rough. I Physically, I was just beat. I had my knee all swollen up. And, and somebody said, what did you bang it on? I said, nothing. I just woke up. Right? And it was just... And, and Michelle starts diagnosing me off of Google, right? And she's like, oh, I think you have bursitis. And I'm like, bursitis? And she's like, yeah, you can get that from sitting in a tree stand, you know. <laughs> uh-uh. So... The thing is, is (laughs) you can't. The time is, yeah, and I said I'm just going to dig a hole and she could just kick the dirt back on top of me because I was, I was, I was in rough shape. But the thing is, as young folks, you get, you've got all this time and as we age, our mortality becomes more and more in check. And we, we know that, you know, hey, our days are numbered, right? And... There's not one of us that can add any more time to what we got. We can't. It's just a physical impossibility. Not one of us, I think the scriptures say, can add a tittle to your life. You can't change your hair. You can't do anything. So the thing is, is that what are you going to do with your time? Are you going to use it? Are you going to walk into a room and people look at you and go, that's definitely a child of God. There's no introduction needed, right? Look at the way they walk, they conduct themselves. I know for me, a lot of times I fall short in that. I do. So I'm going to go into, I'm going to start wrapping it up a little bit here because when we start acting in a way of self-sacrifice, the people around you will notice. When you start sacrificing things like your time, um, people will take notice because you can throw any kind of money you want at things, and that's not going to solve problems. I've, I've I know that in businesses that I've I've had and stuff like that, uh, the the number one reason why people leave a job can anyone guess? The number one reason, number one, and this is in North America, right? But the number there was a study, and I, I was I remember reading about the study because at, at, at where I worked we were forced to read. All these books about proper management, et cetera, et cetera. So the number one reason why people leave their job, lack of appreciation. That is the number one reason. Do you know what number two is? Disagreement with a coworker. Number three, money. They got a better job. So. Where you would think money would be the big issue for a lot of people, it's not. It's that lack of appreciation, that lack of recognition, that lack of attention. So that being in mind, you could throw all the money you want at certain things and it's not going to change. It just shows that you've got some money. But when you start giving people your time, that's your precious commodity. That's, that's the thing that people remember that. It's like the one time I went fishing with my dad. And I love my dad to death, right? But he's, he's not as stable as he once was in a boat. So I hooked into a really nice trout. Okay. And I know it was nice because it peeled a bit of line. We're steel lining. And I'm, I'm reeling it in and it zip zip a couple of times. And I, dad's up at the front of the boat. And I said, Dad, oh, this is a nice one. And I've I've got the tension on the line. Any of you, that steel line, you know, you keep that tension going. And I said, reach over me here and shut the motor off. Right? Because I didn't want to stop reeling. And so he come up behind me and he hit the button on the motor. But he didn't hold it in. He let it go. So then the motor kicked back on and knocked him on top of me. And I'm holding the reel like this. I'm reeling like this here, right? Okay. And he finally gets his feet. He gets back up, and then he and then he pushes and holds the button. Then then he goes up and he sits down. And I'm still reeling the fish in. And I look at my counter and I said, I got 90 feet out. He's like, yeah, oh, I got one too. And I I said, Okay, well put yours down. I I'm at 40 feet now. And He's reeling his in, he's happy, he's got a fish. And I'm like, dad, and my rod's bent and his isn't. I'm like, yours is small. I said, grab the net. And anyways, I got it to the side of the boat. It was probably about six pounds and I lost it. And and dad was like, well, grab the net for mine. So uh, I got up and I remember recounting that. And somebody said to me, they said, you know what though? If you'd have caught that fish, it would have just been another fish you caught. He's like, now you got a good story to tell. And I said, yeah, it's true Then you remember that time because of all the events that went on and you re- recount those times that you spend together. And it's not necessarily the stuff around it. It's all the events that you did and the time that you spend. So, and likewise, the stuff doesn't matter. It's the time that you're going to spend with the people that matters. So, now having said that, that covers like verses 17, 18, and 19, right? About spending that time and and giving time and giving what you can to help a brother or sister. And it's just so that people know when you're giving your time, people will know. They'll see that that's different than the world offers, But then you think to yourself, because there's always that guilt aspect that comes in, and you think to yourself, I've got like a guilty conscience because I know I'm not worthy to do this, right? I'm not, it says in the scriptures, somebody sent me a text, I got to get rid of that. So it says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. So even if you're coming to a place where you're thinking to yourself, I'm really not the person that I think God wants me to go out and do stuff like this and give my time. And I'm here to tell you that's just Satan creeping in and you, you, you know, yeah, you have guilt and stuff. I am definitely not Somebody that I feel, I don't feel I'm worthy to be up here by any stretch. And I definitely don't have the any great intellectual knowledge of stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel we're given gifts. And I've talked to people about this. We're given gifts and God expects us and I say that word very strongly. He expects us to use those gifts. And I've, I've touched on it before briefly uh, in preaching. And I know Pastor Martin has touched on it. But think of it from this perspective. And, and I've said before, having kids has really changed the way I, I, I might view my relationship with God. And think of it from this perspective. If you've went, you know, well, here, back it up. You know your kids are going to mess up. You just know it. It's a foregone conclusion. And you're going to be there to help them. Right? Am I right? Anybody say, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to, your kids are going to mess up. And you're going to be there to help them. That's just how it is. That's as a parent. That's what we do. But when you've asked them specifically To do something. And they don't execute on what you've asked them to do. Are you upset? Usually yeah. You've asked for that. If you've given them the tools. To do the job. And then they don't do it. Are you going to hold them accountable? Are you going to pull them aside. And say hey. You know what I asked you specifically. I gave you all the tools. To do this. And what, you just felt you didn't want to? You didn't feel you had the skill set? What, what kind of excuse would be sufficient for you at that point? There really wouldn't be. You specifically asked them to do something and they on their own had decided not to. So now, in light of your relationship with God, if he's given you a skill set, if he's given you tools to do something, and you're not going to use it, make no mistake, you're going to be accountable for that. He's going to ask you, you know, hey, I gave you the ability. I gave you the passage to preach on. You just needed to go and do it. What are you going to say to them when, des- when you decide, down? Oh, no, 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 that's, that's not me. That's not what I do. I'm not really good at, you know, really approaching people. I'm not really good at, you know, volunteering my time to cut grass, to do whatever. Whatever it is that you, if you feel that you have something, a calling to do something or to help somebody or to put your time into something, do it. Because that's God inside of you. And you need to pay attention to that. He's asking you to do something. And you know the skills you have. You do. Everybody does. If you don't, you need to start reflecting harder. Because I i mean, I know some of my good attributes. There's only three or four of them. But but truly, you, you dial in on that. And he's like, okay, you know what? I don't think I'm particularly good on a guitar. I really don't. But... God's given me the ability to play the guitar and I don't want to have to stand in front of them and say, you know what? I really wasn't that good. So, I didn't think I should be up at the front leading. Not at all. Or I didn't think I was anything special to be preaching. Like, where where do I get off preaching? Like, If you guys knew half the crap that I've done over the years, you'd be like, <laughs> wow. Truly. And it I don't want to be standing in front of God saying that I chose not to use the gifts you gave me. So you need to really think about it. And when you feel that you're not worthy or not able or can't do it, remember in verse 20, it said, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. So you're not hiding nothing from God. He knows your heart. And he knows when you're nervous about something. And that's generally where your, your, your guilty feelings start creeping in. Is because you're, you're not, really not too sure. You're kind of nervous about something. But you just need to step up. And then I'm going to give an example. But I, who knows the backstory to the hymn, It Is Well With My Stole? A lot of people know it. Okay, I'm going to read the backstory of it as well with my soul. How the hymn came to be. Horatio G. Spafford. He was, was, was uh, he was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago with a loving family: a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they weren't strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871. And in that same year, much of their business was lost to the great Chicago fire. Yet, God in his mercy and kindness allowed the business to flourish once again. In November 21st, 1873, a French ocean liner, uh, Ville du Havre, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford, and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and the children in Europe a few days later, and his plan was to take another ship later on. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the Ville de Havre collided with a powerful Iron Hall Scottish ship, the Loch Urn, and suddenly, All of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck, and she knelt there with Anne, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Teta, and prayed that God would spare them, and that it would be his will. Or make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship, slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic Ocean, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the Spafford children. A sailor rowing on a small boat over to the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel nine days later. Then they landed in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband with a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed that telegram and placed it in his office. Another ship's survivors, Pastor Weese, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked a passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Mr. Spafford and said to him in his cabin, he told him that they were over the place where his children went down. According to Bertha Spafford, his daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, it is well with my soul while on that journey. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Anna gave birth to three more children, one of which died at age four with the dreaded pneumonia. In August, 1881, the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem and Mr. Spafford died there and is buried in that city. That's the backstory to the man that penned the words, for it is well with my soul. And when I reflect on that, you can't help but think of the outpouring of Christ in that man's life to go through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and then be over the site where his daughters passed and write those words. So I'm going to give an example here. If I take this water, okay, and I put it, I got two bowls because I'm going to get messy here in a second. I'm going to set this here. If I take this water, the second bowl is just to catch stuff. And I put water in this, right? My goes here, there. And I put water in it. Okay, so I got that full of water, and I shake that up. What comes out? Why? Why did the water come out? Because I shook it? Because that's what's in it. Right? That just makes sense. So if I put more water in and I give it another shake, more water comes out. When life shakes you up, what's going to come out? Is it going to be Christ? Are, you, are I would hazard to say I would have a difficult time being like Mr. Spafford. But I can only pray that I, in In an instant like that, I would have the strength to have Christ come out, and that's what we're talking about here is how is the world going to know who you belong to if Christ isn't coming out let's pray. Father God, you are great and you are holy, and you're really everything that we 're not. We thank you for examples that you've given to us. We thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, that you've counted us as one of yours. We ask you that we can definitely show the world through us that you live. We ask you to go before us this week, watch over, guide and direct us. In Jesus' holy name we pray it. Amen.